Hey there, this is the Block Club Chicago podcast. I'm John Hansen, and this is our It's All Good edition. This is where we get the good news out. We release them on Friday, so the whole weekend is just filled with great Block Club Chicago stories. In a little bit, ooh, we got some good ones today, including the story of the vase that a woman bought for like $3, $3.99, and sold at a Chicago auction house for over a hundred grand. Lindsay Rice will tell us that story. We'll meet an awesome postal worker in the Logan Square neighborhood and plenty more coming up on It's All Good. But we start with Mac Lederman. Mac, you you know, you're, you're so versatile as a reporter. You've been on our serious stories when we've done the crashing grabs and you've given us so many good news stories, too. It's always a pleasure to talk to you on a Friday. How you doing, my friend? I'm good, John. Are you saying uh, bowling is not quite serious then? No, this. Well, of course it is. Of course, it is very serious. Uh, yeah, I'm just very serious. I'm just saying that, you know, anytime there's like uh, this. Remember that hardware story, a uh, store story you wrote about the one yeah. that's been around for nearly 100 years, or maybe over 100, something like that. Four generations. Um, you seem to have a knack for these like small business owners who are still doing it. Do you do those kind of stories interest you? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I just have a fascination with people who have a niche, you know, someone who has committed their entire life to doing one thing I would have never even had thought to do, whether it's hardware or bowling. Um, I don't know. It's just uh, the people who do that, those types of things, they seem to tick a little bit differently than the rest of us in the best ways possible. Driving a Zamboni, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So today's story focuses on the last bowling shop's that are in Chicago. First of all, let's define what we mean by like a bowling shop. So um, a bowling shop is somewhere where you go in and you buy a bowling ball. I mean, um, simply put there, but like it's, it's way more than that at the same time. So uh, if you're going to a good pro shop, uh, typically the guy is someone who's, or gal has been someone who's been involved in bowling for a really long time. They um, know how to drill the ball so it can perfectly fit your hands. Um, they know how to make the ball um, so you can hold it without having to hold on to it as some mm. one who runs a bowling shop had told me. So in uh, this case in Chicago, there are two standalone bowling shops left in the city. Um, one's on the north side, one's on the south side. Uh, and there are other bowling shops, but they ap- operate inside the bowling alleys, which are you know rapidly disappearing off our map, unfortunately, especially if you're a bowling fan. But yeah, if you want to walk right off the street, park your car and go find a bowling expert, um, there's only two places left to do it. Are there really depleting bowling alleys in the area? So um, there's no exact science or numbers around this. I'm asked BACP, um, the Business Protection Agency of the city, if they could give me some firm numbers on bowling alleys. And um, they couldn't, but um, I asked one of the bowling shop owners, um, Brian Simmons, Northside legend, uh, what he thought. And um, he said one time he counted up to 110 bowling alleys around the city in kind of the mid 20th century when the sport had its uh, PK day. But uh, now he counts less than half a dozen bowling places on the north side. And that's not if you're counting kind of the cosmic techno downtown places that are really just for drinking and have a few bowling alleys attached to it. Interesting. Yeah, because you're right. I do know a few of those well-meaning places like I could think of like Whirly Ball has bowling alleys, a couple of them. I don't know if that would count. Um, and, and that's all well and good. But yeah, when I think of bowling alley, I think about where we play in the Chicago Media League. 
uh, Mac yeah. on diversity and like those old timey places where you can get a fairly cheap beer and uh, there's leagues involved. There's a smell in the air and the sound. It's just got this great cacophony. I feel like a bowling alley mm-hmm. does. Great word. Oh yeah, I I looked that one up before I. <laughs> so two spots left. You introduced a little bit to Brian Simmons. That's at twenty one forty seven West Irving Park Road. What makes him tick? What makes him keep doing this? Uh, well, first of all, we're on the subject of the Chicago Media Bowling League. Well, first, I think your uh, depiction of what a true bowling alley is is spot on. Um, that you got to strike on that one. Thank you. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the Media me. Bowling League is really what got me interested in this in the first place because um. I was around there and talking to other players and they were like, if you like this, have you met Simmons yet? Have you met Simmons? Have you met Simmons? Have you met Simmons? Just his name was, his name was in the air. Um, And uh, I want to shout out block club freelancer, Noah Asmau, who uh, told me about Simmons and knows, you know, kind of my like for these types of characters. And he's like, you should go write about the guy. So um, I went over there uh, to shop over on the north side. It's uh, in North Center, right uh, near w- Lane Tech and Waveland, uh, Waveland Lanes. Mm-hmm. And um, he, I, I bought a bowling ball from him. I bought my first bowling ball. And um, I went back to the media bowling league uh, last week, and I rolled a 189, which is Whoa! My, my best uh, score ever. How many pounds is your ball, Mac? It's uh, it's 15 pounds, and uh, Simmons um, has this kind of quirky process uh, I watched him do with other customers um, to kind of, like, get this down to a science, drilling the ball for people. So um, he has a black tarp in the front of his shop. He had me practice my throws um, to see, like, kind of how, how, how I looked doing it. Um, he uh, put my hands into a fitting ball, which is this ball that has, like, a million holes in it, numbered through the letters of the alphabet. Um, so you could see which ones there are fit. And as soon as he kind of collects all his measurements, he disappears and darts away to the back room where he keeps a drill. And uh, out came a perfect bowling ball for me. Did you engrave it? Yes, it does have my name on it. Does it say Mac? Yes, yeah, it says Mac. And okay. uh, well, it's a it's a blue ball. It's got a, some nice gold lining on it. And um, it says uh, Big Kahuna on it. I guess whoever owned it before me was a Big Kahuna. I don't feel like <laughs> a Big Kahuna, but maybe if I keep bowling a 189, I'll get there. Yeah, there you go. I love that. Uh, there's another shop. Tell us a little bit about the second one. So um, that's uh, Simmons over on the north side, just true north side legend. He's owned it forever. Um, his name is in the air, any uh, league bowling alley you go to on the north side. But down on the south side, there's a Lee Nenza, who's a third uh, owner of Andy's Pro Shop. So Lee, of course, is not Andy. Andy was Andy. Um, <laughs> but I think what's kind of the beauty about this store is that it's just been passed down a handful of times over from people who are just bowlers in the area and happen to be around. So Lee told me he started out sweeping the floors for $20 a week and eventually the guy who was running it left and he was like, hey, you want this? And Lee was like, yeah, sure. And uh, business has been good enough. He sent his uh, kids through college um, from it. Um, he has customers who have been going there for you know many many years um, who live in the neighborhood. And uh, yeah, I mean he's lost lanes over the years. Um, he's mentioned kind of what we were talking about earlier. There's 140 lanes down. Um, so these pro shop guys, um, they're trying to just hold on to these core committed bowlers, the types of men and women and children who want to have their own custom bowling ball and want to see their scores improve versus, you know, the people who may be hitting up the uh, techno places downtown. <laughs> the glow in the dark balls. Yeah. Um, do they, are they, they are, I'm sure they're aware of each other, right? These two stores. 
Uh, yeah, they are. And um, it was, um, I described their feelings of each other to be curt, but mostly positive. Uh, I mean, they said, uh, you know, Lee was like, I don't go up north. And Simmons was like, I don't go down south. Um, we're not... <laughs> We're not um, competitors. We're colleagues left standing in the same business. I mean, there seems to be a real community around people who the the people who are left who take bowling really seriously in the city. And, you know, they all want to see each other succeed and survive and keep getting their scores up. Any last thoughts on this great bowling story? Um, Go buy a bowling ball if you don't have one. I think yeah. it's a fun way to, the, the pass the time. It's a great way to support a small local business, a small local business. Um, I think bowling is a sport that uh, if once you get into it, it does deserve to be taken seriously. I joined the Chicago Media Bowling League um, just to, uh, you know, have fun with colleagues and, you know, being a competitor, a former um, basketball player, I, I couldn't help but really just get into it eventually. And um, I'm not all the way good yet, but um, I wouldn't have gotten as good as I was if I hadn't um, gotten the chance to meet Simmons and uh, be inspired by him. I love it. Can't wait to see those scores go higher. And I just realized golf, bowling, 16-inch softball, and fishing are kind of the quote-unquote sports that I like to do. And all of them, you can have a beer while you do. And maybe yeah, that's no. exactly why those are the ones I do. <laughs> we should do all those then together. Let's do it, Mac. We'll put that on the calendar. <laughs> Let's see. What does 2025 look like? Mac Lederman, <laughs> thanks for joining me, my friend. Around next year, too, John. If you can oh, yeah. Okay. That, we'll see what we can squeeze in. I was going to introduce this story as from trash to treasure, but it wasn't exactly trash. It was something cool that a woman bought that has really turned into a treasure. For that story, we go to Block Club's Lindsay Rice. Okay, so this story is really every thrifter's dream. It's about a woman named Jessica Vincent who lives right outside Richmond, Virginia, and she regularly goes to thrift shopping. So one day in June, she was at her local Goodwill store, and this vase caught her eye. Um, it was really unique looking and she kind of just had this magnetic draw to it. So um, she picked it up, she inspected it a little bit, she saw that it had um, a stamp that indicated it was Italian glass. So she thought, what the heck, I'll buy it. Um, it didn't have a price tag on it, so they said $3.99. She said, absolutely, and she took it. Um, after doing some research, it was identified to her. Um, by somebody in a Facebook group as being this really valuable piece. And they were like, you should send this to an auction house and see what they think. So that's exactly what she did. She sent it, she sent the photos and everything into Wright Auction House in Chicago. And they were just amazed. Um, they could not believe that she had this. And they actually sent two of their Italian glass experts from New York uh, to Virginia to go and see it for themselves. And they took a look at it and they were like, yes, this is the real deal. And it turned out to be a piece from that was designed by Carlo Scarpa, who is an Italian glass designer. And it was from a very rare collection that is from the 40s. So she had paid $3.99 for it. And on Wednesday, it just sold for over $107,000 through the Chicago auction house um, named Wright. And from that, she'll get about $85,000, which she is going to use to kind of get her home in, in order and do some house updates and then just save the rest. And, you know, she's just a regular person. So she's like, you know, if you if you enjoy thrifting, Keep going, because I never thought this would happen to me. And if it can happen to me, it can happen to you. Thanks, Lindsay. I hope you've got a chance to enjoy the Chris Kindle market, either downtown, maybe the one up in uh, the Wrigley neighborhood. 
And Quinn Myers has got a unique story that has to do with the state north of our border. Here's Quinn. So this spring, I was up in Door County to run a 5K, and I met this guy, Christoph Cole, who runs the Prince of Pierogi. It's essentially a pierogi stand in Ephraim, Wisconsin, right off Lake Michigan. He was super charismatic, and he mentioned that he was coming to Chicago for the Wrigleyville Chris Kindle Market uh, in November and December. So immediately I filed that away and thought I should look him up when he gets here and maybe do an article. Um, so a few weeks ago, I stopped by the market. And lo and behold, there was a really long line for the Prince of Pierogi and Christoph was manning the register. Um, And then we chatted a few days later to the long interview about his super interesting and varied life and career. He is a Polish immigrant, came here on an exchange program about a decade ago, fell in love with America and specifically with Door County. Um, And ever since he's kind of built a life and launched his own pierogi business in 2020, Um, it's become a huge hit. Uh, not just at the market, but in Ephraim uh, as well. And he's thinking about expanding to a second location in Sturgeon Bay, possibly next year. Um, So if you haven't been by the market yet this year, I highly recommend hitting the Prince of Pierogi for some sauerkraut mushroom pierogi, uh, some kielbasa sandwiches, or a cup of hot steaming borscht. Thanks so much, Quinn. Let's stay in the holiday spirit. And Maya McDonald has some really interesting stuff about an old classic movie that's celebrating 20 years. With just days until Christmas, there's sure to be plenty of holiday films on your to-watch list. If one of those includes The Polar Express by director Robert Zemeckis, you may be interested to hear that a lot of the film's inspiration for Santa's workshop and other buildings came from the Pullman neighborhood here in Chicago. Zemeckis grew up in Roseland and attended Finger Academy High School, bringing his experience living near Pullman to the film. Filmmakers visited Pullman for inspiration, using the neighborhood's historic clock tower, market square, and architecture for the film. Photos of the Pullman neighborhood can even be spotted in the 2004 art book that was released after the Polar Express debuted. Zemeckis' own childhood home, as well as another in the neighborhood, inspired ones in the film. With interest and popularity for the film growing and its 20th anniversary coming up next year, local stakeholders and residents are starting discussions on holiday festivities inspired by the film that could be planned for next year. Thanks so much, Maya. And if you are looking to send packages through the mail system this year, you know those mail carriers are going to be very busy. And Ariel Perella, our good friend of Block Club Chicago, I got a little uh, tour of how the mail system works and some tips for the holiday season. It was really fun to hang out with Monique Colley this week. She is a Logan Square longtime postal worker, and everyone loves her, even the dogs and the kids. So this year, Monique, just like every year, she is sharing some useful mail tips that can help folks get all their holiday shipping done and out the door just in time for Christmas. Some of her tips this year include things like if you want something sent down first class, it's got to be in the mail by Saturday. So that's tomorrow. If you're sending something in priority mail, that needs to be out by Wednesday and Priority Express needs to be out Thursday. She also wants everyone to remember to please shovel and salt the sidewalk so that people like her and everyone else can be safe for the winter. 
Thank you so much, Ariel. Hey, we're on TV, by the way. On the Block airs Thursday nights at 7 on the U, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on CW26 Chicago. And you can see all the episodes at CW26Chicago.com. We are also on the radio on the Bob Surratt Morning Show, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday mornings on 720 WGN. And here's some uh, recent news from Seamus Toomey. Seamus Toomey now with the story of the Thompson Center's new design. I've been talking about this, Seamus, and I never liked it because I don't think it ever fit in with those iconic old buildings around City Hall. What's it going to look like in the future? Well, it's not going to fit in. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the, the, the new change. It's uh, it's not a huge overhaul of the building, uh, but Google just uh, Google, which bought the building um, from the the state for 105 million dollars, uh, they showed off some new designs of what it's going to look like when construction starts this uh, ne- at beginning of next year. Um, really, the the big changes to note are um, they're they're tearing off all the glass from the front of it and and replacing the whole thing with clear glass so uh, if you can picture some of the ground floor levels and some uh, mixed in was uh, blue and sort of like a faded salmon color (laughs) Um, it was really you know it didn't kind of reflect how cool the building was on the inside Uh, the outside was really just sort of had a tired look to it it's uh, it's been uh, almost uh, 40 years since uh, Helmet Yacht built the place so uh, they're making a whole new facade that we where you'll be able to see through the whole thing and kind of get a look at at the you know the inter the very interesting interior of it um, those, those huge elevators that run through it um, they're also doing some some covered terraces outside they're fixing the whole plaza so uh, it's sort of got uh, kind of a sloping fishbowl look to it uh, is the plan so um, no will it fit in with city hall uh, next door uh, <laughs> I would say probably not, but um, you know they think it's it's really going to uh, spruce the place up, which you know we've talked about for years. It was sort of like hanging on the the cusp of demolition uh, with something new there, but uh, people really rallied. You know, you either love it or you hate it. The people who love it won out, um, so they're going to get a new look. It's going to take a couple years uh, to do all this work, so construction fences will start going up uh, the beginning of next year, and uh, we. We could be talking about this for for years to come and see what people think of it. Well, the the uh, transparency will help because you could look through the building and then see some of the old downtown buildings at least. So it it, it might be better. We'll right, see. exactly. You get to pretend it's not there. <laughs> on, on the south side, oh, actually in Humboldt Park, not the south side, but uh, this is a this is a first, right? The uh, the uh, flags, the Puerto Rican flags, will be lighting up. That's right. Yes, new holiday. Tradition. Tradition uh, in Humboldt Park. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have seen the uh, the, the giant uh, Puerto Rican flags. They're uh, they're basically archways uh, for Division Street's Humboldt Park stretch. Uh, they're at Artesian on one end and Mozart on the other. Um, they lit them up for the first time this year, and it's really uh, uh, you know an impressive sight. Um, you know, at night you could kind of see them. I mean, it's hard to miss. They're 60 feet tall, uh, but now they've got them completely wrapped in in blue and red lights um, and they're going to be lit up through uh, through all King's Day in January so uh, just kind of a you know a point of pride for the for the Puerto Rican community in Humboldt Park and and really it's just something of note another another landmark when you're driving west on division you can probably see these from about a mile or so away yeah right at uh, 
Artesian and also uh, on Mozart Street. You see that. And finally, we have the story of the Grinch of Beverly. <laughs> the Grinch of Beverly. Uh, if you live in Beverly or you've used the Metro stop down there at 99th Street, you may have uh, run into this character. Uh, he's dressed up in a, a, a full Grinch outfit, um, and he's uh, he's got lights on him, and he's really just sort of hams it up on the corner uh, for, for commuters and people driving by. So if you're wondering what's going on, this is um, his art. He's an actor named Chris Witherspoon who really steals the show. He's got a guy out there with named Brandon Healy, and uh, they just do a lot of, uh, I would say, taunting of uh, passersby, and, uh, but people get out and post for pictures with them and you know put them on Instagram and all that. So just having a little bit of fun. He's out there uh, from 5 to 9 p.m. Um, through Thursday, and he's going to be out there 5 to 9 p.m. Saturday if you're looking to get some selfies with uh, with the Grinch and uh, you know kind of just see his uh, theatrics and, and, and playfulness. Nothing like a little holiday taunting. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there's more at blockclubchicago.org. Seamus Toomey, thank you. Okay, thanks, Bob. And actually, if you're listening to WGN, next Thursday and Friday, I'll be filling in for Bob Surratt on December 21st, 22nd. And we will have some extremely local news from Block Club Chicago. We'll be on between 6 and 10 in the morning. All right, that'll do it for the It's All Good version of the Block Club Chicago podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoy a great weekend and we'll drop some new pods on you next week.